Lego. Lego. everybody welcome back to back to brick i'm your host garrett and today we have a designer interview we're going to be talking with robbie and also better known as gun builder that's g-u-n-n building excuse me gun building robbie first off i just want to say thank you for coming on today how are you i'm doing well thank you um thank you for having invited me on to the uh, podcast oh no a pleasure's all mine really excited to talk about your builds and uh, get into just talking about lego since that is what has brought us here today first off i always like our guests to just give a little information uh to our listeners so where are you from what do you like to build the most okay yep so my um my name's robbie but everyone knows me as a uh, gun building mainly on instagram and Flickr. Um, i'm from the united kingdom uh, i live on a very small little island called the isle of wight and um i usually specialize in sort of steampunk and sci- science fiction builds and just the, the occasional sort of minifigure designs as well very cool i can't wait to talk about steampunk because i think that's a big part of what lego has been missing out on it's a really cool genre and we can definitely dive into some of these builds that you've done but the first question i always ask my guests is if you could have a signature figure or sig fig that would represent you it doesn't have to be realistic it can be anything you'd want it to be what do you think would best embody you personally um i think my my sig fig is kind of um the one that I kind of use for all my profile pictures and that as well. Um, his name is uh, Arthur. He's kind of like a, a fusion of like my physical self and that and some other things in that as well. There's there's a there's a digital version of him which is a little bit more detailed because um, I had um, a few a, f- a few friends sort of do some fan designs of him and that and then I modified the designs over and then there is actually a physical version that I usually use on some displays for some of the mocks I make and that as well. And so this is your character that has the uh, um, black mustache uh, and the full beard, correct? Well, I guess not full beard, but <laughs> the the facial hair beard. Yeah, yeah. So um, the th- thing about it is how I actually draw the character in that as well. He has a bit of a um, like a Studio Ghibli sort of design of beard, where there's no real visible mouth in that as well. Most of the time, with his the new updated version I've done with him has that has more of that beard with like the more curled mustache and that as well. His actual physical version has an exposed mouth on it, so um, that uh, it's just uh, using what I can find really with Lego. Yeah, it is difficult unless you probably went out and found someone to do like a custom designed one. Which I mean, I know people that do that, but it can be expensive at times. I think. Oh yeah, it's very it's very expensive to do. And to be honest, I mean, I've I've gotten so used and quite happy with the actual physical official lego head that i'm using for him and that as well it's just kind of become like a bit of a trademark sort of thing really yeah and then you yeah. don't want to go back and change it you're like oh well it, it fits what i uh, i want to put anyways yeah i mean he, there was one moment when i did give him like the full sort of like bushy lego beard piece that you can put onto the head but at the same time that kind of um got in the way of adding any accessories around his neck like a scarf or a pair of like goggles or something and that as well so it's kind of just easy to have a more more of a printed face instead. Especially because you get to not cover up all his facial features, like you said. Exactly, yeah. So, in general, uh, let's kind of backtrack in your history. How far back do you think you started with Lego? I mean, Lego has 
kind of been in my life since I was a kid, really. Part of my family was quite sort of big on Lego, and it was like the, the sort of the main, the main gift you get as a birthday present or a Christmas present, and that as well. And I mean, myself and my brother and my two sisters and that we were all sort of quite into Lego, really. So we had like this big, big red box of like um, pieces and that as well, and we had additional stuff and that from our parents. So it's kind of run in the family, but at the same time, I think. I started to become more public and started to post stuff online probably when I was about probably about 18, 19, probably back in 2013, 2014 sort of time. What drew uh, Mainly because I followed quite a lot of people at the time on things like Flickr and that as well. And I saw so many unique sort of designs that were out of like the constraints of like normal Lego sets and that as well. And there's people building what they wanted to either base off films or TV thing, shows that they've seen or even just their own designs. And I just thought this, it's a really interesting community and just a really sort of um, diverse group. And I just sort of thought, well, I'd just try and put myself out there really and sort of share what. Yeah. And especially because, you know, as you kind of introduced that you like to do a steampunk style, I'm not I'm not aware of a lot of people doing this um, unless did you get inspiration from others for this or was this kind of from your own design ideas? I mean, the inspiration with steampunk came from a, a lot of different areas. I mean, there were some builders sort of like Tasta Troy on Flickr who he did a lot of stuff which was inspired by the uh, Monster Hunter, no, Monster Fighters um, from about 2011-2012. He made a lot of unique sort of um, steampunky sort of flying machine designs and that and everything as well. It also um, boiled down to a lot of the films that I used to watch as a um, as a kid and as a young teen, really. So um, films like uh, Disney's Atlantis Lost Empire, Howl's Moving Castle, and um, even reading comics like uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or books like War of the Worlds and everything like that as well. That a lot of There were a lot of influences that sort of inspired my designs, really. The classic sci-fi has always been fascinating to me to really think how advanced their thinking was even just based on the technology they knew and they could just throw out oh uh teleportation or um, machines that can fly at insane speeds or pretty much anything yeah i mean you really have to owe it to sort of um writers like hg wells and jules verne because these were sort of the pioneers of the of science fiction really at that time and with that they sort of started to introduce a lot of really fantastical sort of concepts for the time periods that they were in i mean without people like jules verne and that we wouldn't have a lot of the base aesthetic styles for steampunk and that as well because i mean if you look at films like Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea and everything that as well a lot of the designs and that sort of inspired a lot of the sort of a lot of the modern day um steampunk aesthetics as well and just for everyone out there who don't do not know what steampunk aesthetics are, could you kind of just give some quick examples of what they are? The easiest way I could describe steampunk is it's basically they call it Victorian futurism. So it's a lot of these uh, classic sort of Victorian styles, like brass fittings and everything in that as well. Everything's very ornate and decorative, but it's using um, sort of things that maybe a bit more older so steam engines and everything in that as well powering um carriages or cars or everything in that as well and then you have things like flying machines hot air balloons zeppelins and that as well but with steampunk it can go a bit further than that with steampunk i sort of you can sort of see it as 
the end of the Victorian era, but also the start of like the very early 20th century sort of stuff as well. With that blending, you have, like you said, almost in the word steampunk, meaning uh, the steam operations that they kind of call back to that Victorian era. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, the, ste- the steam and steampunk and that, meaning like a comb- uh, internal combustion engines and everything in that as well. And then obviously the punk aspect being the sort of the rebellious sort of breaking the mold sort of um, ideas of the time. Mm-hmm. And with your designs, where do you think you started? Was it more of a vehicle style or I've seen that, you know, you do minifigures. Was that kind of your uh, way of jumping into the Lego mock uh, areas? It really started with um, sort of doing vehicle designs mainly. I mean, back when I first started, I was doing sort of mocks on um, like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is of like, a, like a very steampunkish sort of design anyway in its, in its own right. And then sort of expanding on that. I mean, themes like um, Monster Fighters, sort of, they loosely incorporated the steampunk theme in that as well. But then I'd seen things like from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen film and the comics and that as well, that you could sort of really go more out there with the designs and that as well. But sometimes I try and keep things a bit more streamlined, a little bit, a little bit simplified in some areas as well. Because, I mean... I know a lot of people with steampunk, they go with like very much like pieces and um, like brown, brown wooden bits and that as well. But I think steampunk, you, you don't need to stick to that so much. I think you can go in different directions with it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think of like brass or like uh, a lot of exposed wood and bolts. But in your designs, like you said, you kind of can go different ways, which is the creative aspect of it, where you don't have to limit yourself to the standardized idea of what steampunk is yeah exactly i mean the thing the thing is that with steampunk and that as well you also can incorporate the victorian aesthetics as well which it's not always like um things made out of barrels or uh polished wood and that sometimes it is like um it's more industrial sort of metal as well but also you can incorporate a lot of vibrant colors or different colors into into there. It doesn't always have to be so much brown and gold, really. Mm-hmm. As you continue to build, you said you started out with vehicles, but then you went into characters. Now, in these characters, do you design them digitally and kind of do the artwork, or do you have friends that kind of help with that end of it? So I I usually, sometimes I actually design a minifigure first before I actually do a sketch of them. So, I mean, my Sig Fig Arthur sort of started out as a bit of a half-and-half half thing, really. I was drawing different designs of him at the time. His character kind of evolved a bit, and, like, details like his hair and his facial features and that changed over the years and that as well. He ended up looking a lot different from what he used to and that as well. These characters I sort of I make up by myself and that as well, but um, I've had people, very, very talented people... Um, fans and that as well just do their own sort of fan art or send me different like bits of like their own digital designs on them and that as well and then you incorporate them digitally correct i do yeah so um i use a program called um mecha bricks which is a lego digital designing sort of um program that you can use when i received a design for arthur's sort of like outfit and that was like a long long trench coat and everything and that as well um that was done by um a user called tib stabs on um instagram he um i was able to actually sort of learn and realize that you can actually make your own custom decals and add them digitally onto mecha bricks and that as well so i worked through it a bit more and then um i was able to actually add that on there and then 
sort of work on making like a full minifigure design of them. Wow, that's cool, especially with Mecha Bricks because I know they have a really nice rendering program, but for me, it's just not that user um, friendly. How did you get in into using that over one of the other ones, such as the standard Lego uh, one that they used to have, LDD or Studio? So I used to use um, Lego Digital Designer uh, LDD back in the day, but the problem is I, I always found it was quite. Um, had a lot of like uh, con constraints on it as well really like it was quite strict with um how you could add a part or how you could position a part on there and that as well and it didn't really give you that much freedom as you probably would have if you were making a model physically mm -hmm. um i follow someone on flickr called um sam k bricks and he did like a lot of um renderings for uh like doctor who tardis console room designs and that and then also his own minifigures and i saw what he was doing and i found out that it was on this site called mecha bricks and i thought you know what that actually looks like a really interesting program to use i signed on up onto that and like the format for it, it's very different from um like a designer you have to sort of um you have to really practice with it to actually uh learn how to use it and how to um build on there i've always said like if, if you have a little play around with it just have a bit of an experiment and that you usually can pick up and get the hang of things and that as well there were also some very useful um youtube videos that i found which um show you how you can render things or how you can add um decals to some custom minifigures as well yeah the decaling i think is tough because you have to go through the process of designing it and then making sure it's cut in the same way uh can you do it just, is it just on the chest and back piece or can you even do it on the arms and legs? You can do it on the arms and legs. So the thing about uh, Mechabricks is basically when you have, say, like a torso piece, I mean, they have the full, they have the full actual piece like mm -hmm. together in order to actually um, like add decals onto the arms and legs. Like you have to um, get the separate code for the actual separate like left left arm or left leg or right arm or right leg on there if you go into the decoration part it gives you the uv layout for the actual arm on there and then you can actually if you download that and then import that into photoshop and that as well you can actually just draw draw over it on a different on a different layer and that and then that maps out how it's going to look onto the arm or leg it sounds very complicated <laughs> has it take you pretty long to make these it can take it can take a while especially trying to get like um the right thickness with um line work and that on some of the details and that as well it does it does sound like a, a very complicated thing to do but it's uh it's basically just trying to break down the actual separate pieces and then making sure you can get the the uv layout for them and that as well i see i see yeah i i guess in that case it turns out I mean, just looking at them, they turn out great and definitely worth the time uh, to do so. Have you ever thought about getting those actually printed so you can put them on uh, a minifigure? Oh, I've definitely considered it a number of times, um, especially with um, with Arthur and um, and Micah's sort of um, their facial their facial like heads and that as well on there because it's trying to find someone who can actually do it and for it to not be so expensive. Really, I mean, that's right. the that, that's that's the only that's the only issue is it's like it's the time and the money for it really yeah i mean lego has a bunch of other sets that have specific ones like you said so you kind of just rely on using the lego parts that you have now until maybe in the future you can do something like that yeah definitely i mean um like it can take a while to just um 
take a look around and find the right sort of heads and that. But I mean, um, once you sort of find, once you find one which you're quite comfortable with and quite happy with, it kind of just sticks with you really, and then you can just keep using it and until maybe a newer head comes up and you think, you know what, that one might actually work for the figure a bit better. And then, like you said, one thing I was just thinking about was they did come out with the Doctor Who character at the one idea set. And being as it's a steampunk and had the unique design of, you know, his jacket and uh, all that, who, which was the Capoletti? Capoletti? I can't remember. Oh, Peter, Peter Capaldi. Yeah, Capaldi. That's what it was. In that, it looks like you took on designing pretty much every TARDIS style interior that you could find. Yeah, so um, I started a project uh, quite, a, quite a while back, which was um, to come up with my own sort of ideas of what my TARDIS console rooms would look like and that as well. Some of them were inspired by already existing ones in, this, in the series. Mm-hmm. Other ones were sort of like my own ideas of thinking, oh, you know what, what if what if we had like like an art deco theme or like a botanical theme or something instead and um it's quite it's quite fun because it's kind of like a the perfect combination of architecture and machinery and just sort of coming up with coming up with those sort of ideas is quite fun because it's just um you can go in a number of different directions with it as well but you can also keep quite strict to what the characteristics of a tireless console room should have so like a, a hexagonal console or and a lot of um round components on there and that as well yeah and in that designing process you know did you use the same format of similar style because as we know like first off are you a big doctor who fan i'm a very big doctor who fan okay Um, (laughs) i had to ask before uh because like the tardis there's sometimes there's different sizes and as we know it's bigger on the inside so you can kind of change up the layout which it looks like you've done now did you take that from just your own personal ideas like oh the TARDIS could be this size and maybe not have bridge work or anything like that yeah yes I sort of usually I try and build the console um first on there and that as well and then I'm thinking okay what what the wall is going to look like what what furniture am I going to add into the into the room and that as well and it sort of it builds its way out there and then usually how I design it is I design the console and then I try and come up with some interesting designs for the walls and then I make one one basic like structure for the wall and then i'll connect the wall with hinges to try and sort of encompass around the console room and that as well and see how it all looks and then think oh could we add a platform on here could there be a doorway in this in this area and that as well and this is all digitally designed correct yeah this is this is all digitally designed um some of the techniques i use sometimes i try and build them physically to see if they would work so I had to come up with a number of different ideas and techniques on how to build a proper console, which has like the six panels on there and has all like the the time rotor column and everything, and it's all all good enough to actually uh, connect together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I mean, in general, your shapes are very um, well curved, and uh, even your pipe work having that curved is difficult no matter what program you're using so it's definitely an accomplishment to even do that in mecha bricks oh yeah i mean honestly it's um sort of uh trying to manipulate a hose or tube piece on there and that is it's not it's not really an easy feat on there and that as well especially if you're trying to make like a circular circular like a railing around a circular platform or anything mm-hmm. as well i mean in physical in physical terms and that as well that 
would hopefully hold in place in that as well. It's just trying to make sure that it's going to stay in that sort of position really too. Right. And then did you, have you ever built them in real life or is it just mostly these digital renders? I haven't actually built any of them in real life. Like I might build like components of the console itself and that in real life, but it's usually like, cause it, there's, there's a lot of bricks and a lot of pieces that would need to be ordered in order to make them. And just trying to find enough room to like actually build a full scale console as well. Yeah. I mean, it's not super small. And like you said, uh, especially with the design aspects, you want to make sure it's just like the scaling and still have the six consoles too. De- definitely, definitely. And then um, obviously it's trying to build the structure for the walls and then uh, the floors and everything like that as well. And then incorporating all the furniture and other uh, details into it as well. So it all adds up in the end, really. Yeah. And I mean, I, I appreciate it because, you know, I'm glad Lego did the Doctor Who um, build. I'm a little disappointed they didn't expand on it, maybe to do a larger TARDIS set or, um, you know, embody some of the other Doctors. But I do appreciate that they acknowledge that, you know, Doctor Who has a one, a huge fan base and a long history of people who enjoy the, the show. Yeah, I mean, when I first um, found out that they were doing the Lego ideas, um, so I was very excited for it because I did think, oh, it's going to... It might be a bit like how Minecraft sort of became its own theme in that as well, and they expanded a lot on it. But unfortunately, it only got so far as really being a um, the one Lego off, idea. Yeah. That, well, and I guess yeah, they did do the, the Dimensions set with the Cybermen. Yeah, I was quite I was happy about that to be honest, though, because that gave us like an actual Cyberman minifigure. It gave us a, a K9 build, and then it also gave us the Buff Doctor and like his his blue um, his blue and red outfit in that as well. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I'm glad that they did it. I just wish, I do wish that they did more with it. I mean, they like how they're doing with like Marvel um, and DC minifigures. We could have had like a, a CMF series of like doctors and companions and that as well. But I guess they just didn't want to go that far with it, really. Yeah, it seems that they're diving more so into that now for possibly a, a Star Wars one, maybe in the future, but they just did their first Marvel. And who knows, they could go back since they might still have the license. But yeah, it's it's a very niche thing that I feel like they've kind of passed up on that since they did the Dimension set. Yeah, I think it's... I, I, I can't be certain that they're going to go back to it, really. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess that, I guess that just gives more room for, um, for custom designers and um, fans to make their own designs of uh, characters and that as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's fun, especially for you. You've done that with the many characters you can build. Like one of my favorite builds that you have is the cyber com- uh, conversion unit, where it shows that the person is getting pieced together into Cybermen, which that and the Weeping Angels are always were always my favorite characters from, uh, or excuse me, villains. And Missy. Missy was pretty good. Yeah, I mean... Um... I've always loved the Cybermen because they're very much, they are humans as well. And um, it's kind of that scary sort of thing, sort of that scary psychological aspect of this is what could happen if like humanity sort of focused so much on surviving by any means necessary and that as well. I mean, my first experience with the Cybermen was probably watching the um, series two of the Russell T Davies era with David Tennant when they end up in the parallel universe and you've got the Cybermen there. And I remember being absolutely terrified of the uh, the cyber conversion scene where um, they play the lion sleeps the night in the background and it just shows the yeah. um, 
the machine's going out and it's quite a horrifying moment yeah that that moment and then i always uh remember the final episode with amelia pond and rory for the weeping angels always got the same and i'm glad they came out with that figure as well i haven't watched it in a while but i showed my wife those episodes and she's like how is this so detailed i'm like because they have 50 years of information that they can like pull from to continue the stories yeah, I, I feel like with a lot of like even the new modern Who, they really do try and jump back and make references to the original classic series and that as well. And I think uh, I'm glad that they're being quite creative and creating their own like monsters and that. I mean, with the Weeping Angels and that, they were such a success because they were very much playing on that par- that sort of paranoid human fear of um, things moving that shouldn't be moving and that as well. And I mean, even with with Stephen Moffat, one of Stephen Moffat's first episodes, which was the Empty Child with the gas mask and that as well, it was playing on a lot of like childhood fears and that and i think that's what works quite well on doctor who is when you have the sort of the the childhood mind to it really and you add something that's quite terrifying into there yeah i mean it's relatable because we're all either afraid of the dark or things that we can't see or can't control and those are definitely a major aspects in doctor who yeah it's always it's always played up to the fear factor but at the same time i think they always try and have like a good like a, a a good moral to each story in that as well. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into the Back to Brick interview today. This is going to be a part one. I split this interview up into two parts just based on my schedule, and you know the interview went a little bit longer, and it's great because then we get to talk to uh, the designer for uh, just a bit longer about some of these other creative designs and more Lego discussion. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast at at Back to Brick, and then also follow us on Instagram at Back to Brick too. You can reach out to me and ask me any questions you have. We're beginning a Q&A episode coming up soon, and you can all participate. So I'll leave you as I always do. Get creative, get out there, and go build something.